unfortunately, we're in a market where on social, especially, you know, the agents are, you know, I've got 50 offers and they're all over asking, blah, 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 blah. And then a potential seller sees that and like, well, I can do that on my own. I just have to put it on Zillow um, and it doesn't work. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have B. Murphy of Lamakia Realty. B is a real estate professional on the South Shore of Boston. Hey, B, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So good to have you. Let me ask you this, B. How'd you get into the business? So it was, a, I'm in my fifth year now. Um, and prior to this, in my previous life, I was a retail buyer and I was a retail buyer for probably 12 to 13 years. Um, you know, graduating college with marketing, retail buying as a young female was appealing for many reasons. You know, you're dealing with product, you get to travel a lot, New York, LA, Atlanta. Um, you know, I probably, I did it for probably too long. Um, and then as time progressed, got married, started having kids, um, and I was commuting into Boston every day. So I would leave my house at six. I got home at six. My mom was taking care of my kids. My son was three. My daughter was one. And I just kind of envisioned my life. I'm like, you know, my, my kids would be crying every morning. Um, you know, my mom was tired. I'm tired. I didn't feel like I was doing a good job as an employer because I was worried about home. And at home, I was worried about work. Um, and work was very, very demanding. Like, I'd, I'd work all day, crazy hours, come home, put my kids better, bed, get back on the laptop and do more work. So I figured something had to change. And it was one of those moments where I was sitting on the couch with my husband and looked to him and I was like, what, what if I did real estate? And he's like, you know, you can literally hear like a record scratch in his brain. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we have two little kids, you know, you, this has been your career forever. And I was like, well, you know, my, our kids are getting older. Like there's going to be after school sports, like they're going to be active. There's going to be a lot of things that we need someone to be flexible with. And I was okay, you know, taking that risk and um, going on a different path. And I just felt like it would, real estate would be a good match for my personality and my skills and you know, a few months later, after many Excel documents and going over budget and making sure, you know, this was an okay decision to make, um, I pulled the trigger and I, you know, I told my husband, like, you know, seriously, like worst case scenario, I'll go get some intermediate job and figure out and then get back into real buying. Like, who cares? Whatever, right? It's, it'll, it'll be worth the risk. Um, so then I talked to my girlfriends and, you know, one of them told me where to go for brokerage, met with them. I didn't, honestly, I didn't even interview. I just met with them um, and I was sold. Um, and then the rest is history. Why real estate? Um, so a lot of real estate agents will kill me for saying this, but there is flexibility. And I say that coming from someone who has worked a corporate job that literally I would not remember eating lunch because I was like stress eating on my computer. Um, and I did not see my kids. So there is, it is a very demanding job and it's 24 seven, but I can negotiate offers at my daughter's skating lessons. I can go to my son's hockey jamboree yesterday uh, and be on my phone texting. Um, there's things that I'm okay flexing on, um, understanding that it is a pretty much 24 seven hour job. 
Um, but that flexibility was huge for me and, and knowing I could kind of drive my own schedule and be my own boss. And I've always kind of wanted to be my own boss. Um, but just that ability to, you know, control both in a way, uh, control my kid's schedule, control my work and be able to do both, which is what I wanted. Like I didn't enjoy that in my previous role was I felt like I was sucking at my work. I was sucking at home. I was just being an awful everything. And here I can kind of time manage myself to be able to do both and do both well. So even though you're working under a brokerage, you feel like you have your own business? Yes, I do, 100%. So that gives you the flexibility to work when you need to work and balance with the family when you need to balance with the family. Yep, um, and I set expectations up with all my clients. I'm like, look, this is my full-time job. I love what I do. Um, but I'm not gonna lie to you, like my kids are number one to me. Um, you know, I go, I wake up early, but I go to bed early. So after nine o'clock, like I'm not working. Um, you know, sometimes my kids will come on showings, like they'll be part of my story and they are part of me. Um, so yes, I am my own boss and I can control my own schedule within means. Like obviously like the market changes and you know, like right now, the sooner we can see a home, the more advantageous for my buyer clients. That means doesn't mean I'm not gonna park my daughter and my son in my car and let them play their iPad while I show a home, like that's fine. Um, so having that kind of, and like, absolutely, yeah, being my own boss, that was huge. Well, I would imagine that a lot of people would appreciate that, right? So, you know, being family first, you know, somebody says that to me, I immediately respect that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, no one's ever been like, how dare you be putting your children before anything else? Um, you know, I've, I've never had anyone, um, you know, use it against me or anything of that nature. They totally respect it. And especially like, if I'm like, look, like it's dinner time, I'll get back to you in like 30 minutes. No problem. Like totally enjoy the kids, enjoy dinner. Um, especially like this week, that's school vacation week. They're home with me. Like it, it is what it is. They're coming with me. So. Well, tell me about that transition. So you were in the corporate world transitioning into owning your own business, building your own business. How did you do it? So um, it wasn't easy per se. So I, my old job, like I knew what I did Mondays. I knew what I did Tuesdays. Like every week it was like the same thing. It just changed out the seasons with products. Um, this one's, I had to be very diligent with my schedule um, and be very diligent with my time. Um, and not just be sitting around watching TV, doing laundry, cleaning the house, playing with my kids. Um, I knew my time at home wasn't time at home. Like I had to really be like, all right, this, this is my office now. Um, and I had to really schedule myself out. And especially in the beginning, uh, and part of the reason why I went to where I went was they gave me the lead. They gave me the process. They trained me on how to do it. That was huge for me. Like most of my business, probably until halfway through my five years was company leads, company source, and their training was huge for me. Um, and then I just utilized, you know, I utilized skills that I learned in my previous role, um, you know, Excel skills, um, organizational skills, you know, using all of that. Um, and then being open to the new industry. So not, I was like a blank slate. Like you told me like, like the company, they told me what to do. I did it. Like, I didn't question it. You know, and Anthony's big thing is like innovate, don't imitate, um, or imitate, don't innovate. That's the wrong way, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, so I just did what they told me to do. Um, just cause I'm like, look, you guys are the experts. I'm just learning this. I'm green. I'm new. Um, tell me what to do. Oh, wise ones. Um, and why, <laughs> why, why recreate the wheel, right? Some, you, you see the people who have success. Why not imitate that success? I love that. What, did you bring anything from your corporate world to this world that was 
different? It was a very analytical job. So I think having those skills and I, we, I lived in Excel my previous life. So I think knowing your numbers and forecasting like where I want to be this year versus last year, having that kind of analytics, and especially when you're a list, like um, on the list selling side, a listing agent, knowing numbers and how to price a home, like I pro- priced products, like that was my entire job was planning and pricing, analyzing numbers. Um, so I think that was huge for me and just kind of understanding trends um, and figuring out what's the best price for my seller, essentially like what's the best price for a product when you place it in a store. Um, was the best price for a seller in presenting all strategies to that. So I think having that um, part of it and um, part of my old previous job was I was, I had to negotiate with vendors on best costs. So in a similar way, like I was negotiating with vendors. Now I'm just negotiating with, you know, agents and attorneys <laughs> and so forth. Two very important skills to bring to the table is the pricing and the negotiation. I mean, the negotiation is where the rubber really hits the road for you folks, but pricing how do you price a house in this wild market? And folks, we're talking about Q1 2022 for those listening, and it is a wild market. So how do you price it when it's such a moving target? So uh, we, I always review comps, which is actual true solds. I don't look at what's on market because I always say I could want $5 million for my home. It doesn't mean I'm going to get it. So it has to be actual true sold data. Um, and... I always tell my sellers we want to price it smart, not greedy, meaning um, we want to sell our home, right? We we want to sell it properly um, and figuring out what did those comps sell for? What did that home that I'm in compare to those comps and figure out what makes the most sense based on the current home? So there's no blanket answer. Um, And there's kind of two different strategies for when I present sellers. I'm like, all right, if they're thinking a little bit higher than what I think, because it's the market and all the sellers are driven like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, crazy over asking. I'm like, let's review where those started, not where they ended. Because that's a big difference too. Some people say, oh, it sold for 350. I'm like, cool. It started at 275 um, and it drove up to 350. So there's a big difference. Um, If they want to start higher, I say, no problem. However, that's plan A. Let's give plan A a week, week and a half, two weeks, maybe. And if plan A doesn't start, then we have to go to plan B, which is drop your price based on the feedback. Um, So I always say to my sellers that we'll always get market value for your home. It's just how long do you want to take to get there? Do you want it sold in a weekend or do you want it sold in a month? Um, Because, you know, they were thinking their home's worth more. Um, So there's a lot of different factors that play in pricing a home. Um, And regardless of what people want to pay now, I still price it based on the sold and comps because that's just the true data. Um, and again, if a seller wants to start high, it's just a pricing strategy. How about your buyers? How do you strategize with them in this wild market? Oh, that's a little trickier. And it depends <laughs> on the buyer. Um, it's first the how much buying power do they have? Meaning what's their down payment? That's huge right now. Because if so, if they have a smaller down payment, sometimes that can look not as strong as someone who's putting 20% down. Um, You know, then there comes inspection. Um, Where do they feel comfortable doing inspection? Do we want to keep it full? And do they want to waive it? Do we want to do informational purposes only? There's different strategies. And again, I educate them on all and just let them pick because it's not my place to push. I'm not, I'm not pushy. That's my thing. Like I'm not a pushy agent. I'm like, whatever you feel comfortable because this is your home purchase and I want you to be happy, not be cursing me at the end of the day because you waived home inspection and you found termites. Um, 
So inspection is a big one. Their purchasing power is a big one. Um, and then I, it depends on the client, but most of them I'm like, what, everyone has a max price point. What's your max value that you see this home being worth? So if someone spends $1 more, you won't be mad. Um, if you're at what, like what to get there. Cause I, I can't tell people the value of their home. Like, you know, it's going to be your home. Like I can't tell you what it's worth. I can tell you what I think it's market worth, but at the end of the day, it's going to be your home. It's what's sentimental. It's emotional. You know, what do you, what value do you see in, in it? Um, and figure out, you know, what's that max price. Um, and what else do we do? And, and most of my buyers do get loans. So there's no, you know, we have to, I'm not one that ever suggests taking off your mortgage contingency because that's just bananas. Um, but that's again up to them. And if they want to do it, that's up to them. Um, but it's not one that I ever mentioned to them until we, until it's, I don't know, on the table or something. Um, but it's, it's hard. It's not easy right now. So tell us about that market right now. What, what are you seeing? And, and, uh, you know, what is your process with a buyer when you first meet that buyer? Um, when, you know, when I first meet that buyer, I talk to them about what they want, um, you know, making sure I understand what their want needs and desires are, figuring out what markets they're in. Um, I, I kind of get to like get the ducks in a row, figure out what you want. We make sure we get their strong pre-approval, figure out, you know, who they're working with. Um, and then I set expectations. Um, and, you know, I don't want them to come into this market being like, I'm going to get an offer on the first weekend. It's, you know, you know, it's tough right now. Um, it is what it is. We'll do our best. You know, we have different opportunities that aren't, um, you know, we have this more off market opportunities. There's, um, you know, I list homes. So sometimes I'll think about my clients, not that I ever want to do dual agency, but I'm like, give them hope of like, you know, I met with a seller, he's still going to put it on, but it might meet your needs. Um, and just, as, so my big thing is like setting expectations up with the buyers and then just say, look, like inventory is the available inventory is low right now, but things will change. Um, you know, we're coming into March, things will come on. We just need to be reactive very fast uh, right now. That's the biggest thing. Like the faster we can see it, the faster we can maybe scoop it up or figure out what it is. Um, you know, if there's no offer deadline, go see it today, put an offer tonight, expires at 9 p.m. Um, you know, figuring it's very based by every home, but again, just setting those expectations up that you may not be landing your dream home in a weekend and that you may have to be paying over asking price as well. And when you talk about a strong pre-approval, how do you help them with that? Um, so I usually mention that, so I, I don't know if I'll get heat for this, but like, I'm not a big, big bank kind of gal, um, Bank of America, Santander, Citizens, those are not my comfort zones. Um, so I, just see who they're working with. And if it's one of those, I may suggest reaching out to someone else that can provide them with a strong letter and explain to them why um, it's important to have a strong lender because at the end of the day, they're the ones closing the deal. Um, you know, we all negotiate up front, but at the end of the day, if that buyer can't close on that loan, um, that's not good for anybody really. Um, so, I, and again, I don't ever, so the way I work is I suggest three or four and I leave it up to my client to pick. Because um, again, I want them to be feel comfortable with the whole process. So it's fair to say that you're not taking a buyer out looking at houses without a strong pre-approval. Correct. Especially in this market, because that's just a waste of time. Because um, by the time they get all their paperwork done and get that pre-approval, it could probably be gone. Um, so that, having that is huge. I, I tell my clients, like it's like me going to shop 
anywhere, Mall Newbury Street, without my wallet. Like, what's the point? Or having a credit card and I don't have a credit limit. Like, I don't know what my credit limit is. Like, that's just, it doesn't make sense. Um, I don't go shopping without my wallet. Let's talk about sellers for a second. So, you know, you say that the available inventory is low right now. Talking to sellers and explaining to them that this is a great market to sell and their response is, but where do I go? How do you? Yep. So I've had a lot of those and um, I make sure they understand they won't be homeless and that more is coming on. And right now we can lock in a buyer who's willing to pay a little bit more than someone a couple of weeks later, or even a month later, and that we can still shop for a home. As long as um, we protect them. The, the, the biggest fear is I'm going to be homeless. Um, I don't know where I'm going. Um, what do I do? We're not going to be homeless. We'll put in disclaimers in MLS subject to seller finding suitable housing, make sure all of that stuff there so that you're protected and not homeless. Um, and that more inventory will be coming on. But since their home is under agreement now and before that gives them higher, better buying power. So when we're going against 20 offers and 18 don't have a home sale contingency and theirs does, and it's not even on the market, they're at the bottom of the barrel. Um, which is crazy, but it is, it's the way it works. Um, having their home under agreement first, um, show that listing agent, that's less of a risk for that listing agent and seller to take on because they're under agreement, um, is huge. And then that otherwise, um, also they'll know what their buying power is. So say, you know, they're going to get a 50K to 175, whatever it is, over asking, that's how much more buying power they may have towards their new home too, um, as well. So it kind of, it's the right first, I always say, get your ducks in a row. That's the first duck in a row. Um, and then Ross will figure out finding them a home. Um, and are you seeing any hesitation with the buyers where there's a suitable housing contingency? Not at all, not even remotely. They want the home, they'll wait. Um, you know, there's murmurs of the rates going up, blah, blah, blah. Um, but even then, you know, there's, there's options you can do, you know, use an occupancy, you can do leasebacks. There's, there's different ways to make it work for all parties. Um, but no, I haven't had one buyer that's um, not been flexible for it. That's good. And that's, I think, in my opinion, that's how we're going to loosen this inventory is to allow the suitable housings and have the buyers okay to wait, knowing that more inventory will come on for their their sellers. Well, let's ask. Let's talk about uh, briefly how you get your clients. I know you had mentioned in the beginning when you first started, you were getting uh, office leads, but how are you doing it now? Um, I nurture any past clients, so I stay in touch with them, stay top of mind with them. I send them birthday cards, anniversary cards, little gifts here and there, uh, holiday cards, Thanksgiving cards. Um, I try to do like a customer appreciation event once a year. Um, and then I try to be involved in as many groups as uh, humanly possible. Um, so that way it builds my network without being salesy. Um, so people get to know me. So when I first started, actually back even when I first started, I got involved in tons of things. Like I just wanted to get my name out there. Um, so that's another huge way of just people getting to know me within all the groups that I'm involved. Um, and then also now it's just, you know, referrals, past clients, um, you know, the reviews have helped, um, people just Googling me online and having a strong social presence, um, as well. I noticed you're doing some video lately. How's that going for you? Um, it's good. 
it's one of those things that um, it was one of my goals because I've been hesitant to do it for many reasons. And I just said, screw it, be do it. Um, Cause everyone's like, you have to do it. People need to learn who you are, get to, you know, figure out who is B, you know, just not in pictures and pictures of your kids. Um, and it's going well. Um, I'm trying to do it, you know, strategically to not be annoying and overwhelming, but um, so far the feedback's been good. So I'll keep going. It takes a lot of courage and I give you a lot of credit for doing it uh, because that's a, that's an expansion of the comfort zone for sure. Similar to doing a podcast like this. Tell me about some yeah. of the, tell me about some of the groups that you're involved in though. Um, so I am a board member on the Hanover Chamber of Commerce. I am involved with my town's like women's group. So you're a, you're a fabric in the local community then. You're the, trying to be, yes. that's so important. You know, we, used to see that a lot in uh, you know the 70s and 80s that the real estate agents were the community and and it's kind of splintered away it's nice to see that you know especially the chamber of commerce what an important organization that is let yeah. me ask you let me ask you this who would be your ideal client which side <laughs> well that's the question oh um i love working with buyers even though it's like technically more work as a real estate agent would say um buyers you're you're finding them their home their dream home could be their forever home you're walking them through the process they're high-fiving they're starting a family like whatever it is that their story is it's always happy um on the buy side um again it's more work as you're showing probably you know 50 homes to land them one um, but it's just more rewarding on the buyer side. It's the seller side gets tricky. It's just like, you know, why are they selling? Um, are they moving? Are they relocating, upgrading, downgrading, divorce? Like it just can get, and it's a lot different when there's emotions tied to a home selling it versus, you know, bringing those new buyers into the home. So, I mean, I love, love, love working with both, but just, there's always that more like happy feeling with the buyers. That's cool. That's cool. Let me ask you this. I heard you mention goals. Do you have any goals for 2022? Of course I do. Let's hear them. Okay. Um, I have them written down. So <laughs> They're right in there. front of the mirror every morning, right? Do more video. Yeah, well, it is actually. Um, so one was to create a website, which I did and I launched um, the first of the year. So that was huge for me is getting a website up and running. And what's that um, called? Uh, bmurphy.com so b-e-a-m-u-r-p-h-y.com awesome um and i try to keep that fresh and i post all my videos there um you know i'll continue to add content there uh for units uh so last year i'll give you a point of reference last year i closed 65 homes wow um, so congratulations year, thanks so this year my goal is 75 so a little bit more um, of those 75s, I want to get five what we consider luxury listings, um, either on the buyer or sell side. So they have to be over a million dollars. So get five of those. Um, and then the other two are make top um, five for my office and my Braintree office be top agent five times of the year and make top company five times of the year. Cool. I goal. love those. Those are oh, great. And obviously, um, yeah. And videos, do video more, which I did. And do a podcast. And do a podcast. <laughs> Done. Check the box. I love Done. it. What about networking? Are you seeing any other 
you know, have you seen networking kind of fall flat? Are you seeing any opportunities to network with other professionals? Yeah, it's finally coming back around. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I mean, COVID took a hit there, right? Um, but I think it's opening back up to start networking. And I do that with, um, like, the South Shore Chamber has events. Hanover Chamber has events. South Shore Young Professional has events. Um, my town, we do events all the time. Um, you know, the local stuff, the insurance agencies are doing bowling, um, stuff like that. So I try, I, I try to network as much as possible. Um, with still balancing my family life, you know, they want to make sure mom's still around at nighttime, uh, being like, gotta go again. Um, so I try to do as much as I can probably like once or twice a week, do something. Balance is so key. Are you doing the Pan Mass Challenge this year? I am, and I started a team. Tell me about it. So I, last year, so I've done it two years, but the first year was the virtual ride, which was fine. It was me and my husband did it around South Shore, which is fine. So last year was my first year doing it, um, just regular PMG shirts and um, just like middle of the ride. And I was like, this is great. Like I, and I ride for one of my best friends who passed away from cancer. So I was like, I was like, what would Megan want? And she, I was like, Megan would want me to make a team. Like of all the people, she, like she, I know I can make a team. And I just left that day being like, I'm making this bigger and better and I'm making a team. Um, so I made a team. There's like, I think nine or 10 of us now. And I don't need it to be like a 50 person team, um, but just something to just get more people to do it, to raise more money. Like that's the main goal. And even if those people trail off and make their own or do whatever, they're doing the PMC and they're raising money for PMC. So um, we started team, we named it team Ollie, which stands for one life, live it. Very cool. Very cool. And you know what we'll do folks is we'll put in the link, these uh, donation link uh, for the pan mass challenge. It's a long, arduous training that uh, benefits the Dana Farber cancer Institute. And it's a really wonderful, wonderful thing. B let me ask you, we've talked about your ideal client. We've talked about the excitement of the buyer. If they're going to sit down and they're going to type out a uh, testimonial for you, it's going to go on your website, it's going to go on Facebook, it's going to go on Google, what have you. What does that testimonial sound like? Um, it would probably say something along the lines of B was always available to answer my questions. Um, she explained the process to me um, and there was no hiccups or no unexpected surprises that happened. She went above and beyond. She was more of a friend than a real estate agent. Um, and she never pressured me into buying or doing anything, which is huge. Um, I've gotten that a lot where they're like, thank you for being true and honest with your feedback uh, of seeing homes or whatever. Um, so, um, and organized, I would probably say. Um, but I get a lot of, you know, thank you for just being a person, um, you know, helping me through it. I love that. That is so cool. So let me ask you this, B. We heard your goals, which are awesome. And I will, I believe you will achieve all of them. Uh, but here we are in 2022, first quarter right now, available inventory is low, but what do you see going forward in 2022 and then 2023? So... The year started off, I was actually ahead of where I was for January and things have slowed down because um, where the world was, right? Where we were. 
Um, I think come March and April and May, it's going to be bananas. I think whatever slowness we've had now is going to make up three to fourfold. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be wild. Things will be very, very wild and fast. And we're going to make up any and all that volume in the next couple months, probably leading up until like July, August. And I think from there on, we may have just like, I don't want to say normal fall and winter, but just a little bit less crazy, kind of like last year, where by September, I kind of felt like getting back to normal, um, like a normal market, not this wild, wild west we have going on. Um, but I think the next couple months, when we start to see more homes coming on, um, it's going to be crazy fast and wild. And I think, well, I'll, I'll get my goals. I think we'll be fine. Um, it's just the next couple months are going to be hectic until it kind of flattens out. Um, and I think what Anthony also mentioned was because homes come on fast, but they also go off fast. So that's why I mentioned, like he was saying, available inventory because there are homes that just get gobbled up so fast. So it's going to take a little bit for that to kind of flatten out um, and be there. So probably by like early to midsummer, we'll get there, but the next couple months are gonna be wild. And then I pray for next year to be a true market where it's just normal. Like you, there's, I, and I feel bad because like my other clients are, they're, they're making a lot of money, which is great for them, but it's not a good place to be. And, you know, back in the day when you did open houses and it was, you were happy when one or two people came. Um, you, you saw a home with a buyer and you made an offer and it got accepted. Like that was the normal world and where we need to be again. I pray we'll slowly get back there. Um, and then it'll, it'll be, it'll be good for all. <laughs> it will be so. good for all. I love it. I love it. We, uh, we are hoping for that as well. How do you see five, 10 years from now, the future of, you know, real estate closings? Do you have a, do you have a crystal ball on how you see those happening? What I could see happening is, again, probably getting a little bit more um, digitized, right, where electronic, um, where they don't have to meet with the closing attorney and have a massive paper, pile of paper to sign um, and get more e-friendly. Um, I could see that happening because uh, we've slowly done that on many sides. So. Do, you, do you see any difference in how the relationship between the client and the real estate professional is? I don't. Um, I don't. If, if that's more of a question, will real estate agents be around in five to 10 years? Um, yes. I think there's value adds that um, real estate agents, real tours, Anthony would be proud of me for saying real tour, um, have that will never be replaced. Um, you know, people can try to sell their own homes. They'll just never have the market power that certain companies have, um, strategies, um, et cetera, pictures. There's just a lot of things that we'll be able to provide negotiation skills, time um, that we provide for people. So will we ever go away? No, I hope not. Um, and we'll, we'll try hard. I mean, we're, we're a scrappy group of people. We won't die hard. Well, I will say, I will say you could see in the past that there's been attempts to uh, automate this and it doesn't work. I mean, it's so relationship based, but, you know, you bring up a point that I do want to touch on is the for sale uh, by owner, right? More and more with the houses going on quickly and going off quickly, sellers are thinking to themselves, why do I need a real estate agent? So I ask you, 
why do they need a real estate agent? They need a real estate agent for so many reasons. Um, one, do they want to get the most for their money? I'm assuming that answer is yes. And that's not going to happen by them listing their home. Um, you know, it's, it's the whole gamut is just, I, last summer I had a client who wanted to buy a home that was a for sale by owner. And he was so, the owner himself was so overwhelmed with all of the calls, the showing requests and all of it, that he was so scrambled. He did himself a disservice on the offer he accepted because of how he handled it. Um, and that was a shame because he could have gotten a lot more money for that home. Um, so one, the question is you will not get the most for your money. Absolutely not. Um, two is the marketing piece of it. Um, the pictures you take, that's how people see homes. Like you're going to take a picture on your iPhone. Yes. iPhones have beautiful pictures, but they're not the HD quality cameras, drones, whatever else that we provide. Um, and we come with strategies of how to see the home. Um, we take care of all of that making sure that everyone comes through as actual, you know, real estate agent, if you have an uh, for private showings, there's a lot, there's like, that's an endless conversation, just they're doing themselves a disservice by thinking they can do it. And unfortunately, we're in a market where on social, especially, you know, the agents are, you know, I've got 50 offers and they're all over asking blah, 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 blah. And then a potential seller sees that and like, well, I can do that on my own. I just have to put it on Zillow um, and it doesn't work. Um, and there's just the negotiation part too, um, negotiating all the offers, um, you know, having the right agent to negotiate for you versus just seeing the highest number and thinking that's the best offer. That's not the best offer. How much are they putting down? Who the lender is? When are they doing an inspection? There's so many things that a normal seller who doesn't do this every day, multiple times a year will miss 100%. Uh, and again, it's a lot of money, especially in this market. And that that's the irony of it, right? You think you can get it all, but it's so much harder right now, you know, and they're like, oh, well, there's a commission structure, you know, I can avoid that commission. And I always, I always relate it to bending down to pick up the dollar and all of the hundred dollar bills are flying <laughs> over your back, you know, and it's the same as, you know, the, the, the appendicitis. So you're going to go into the kitchen and grab a steak knife and take out your appendix, right? Professionals are there for a reason. And, we are like, no, say no to FISBO. That's our, our uh, reoccurring theme when people call us about it because it does not make sense at yeah. all. And I, will, and I will say like every real estate agent's different. So if they're not, if that person, the seller has not found the person they think should list their home, there's plenty out there. Um, so if they haven't found that professional that they feel good listing their home, that that seller should keep looking. Like there's, you could throw a penny and find like, 50 agents that fall for you, um, have them look around. Um, there's plenty, there's tons of agents just making sure they find the one that they feel will bring them the most money. It's huge. Well, how does somebody interview an agent to realize that they have that professional person sitting in front of them? Um, one, ask them, you know, I think years in the business is important, but what I always say is, Having 20 years of experience um, has less impact when you do three or four three or four homes a year versus someone like myself who's been doing it for five years but has done 65 homes last year, 45 homes a year prior, 44 homes, so also over 200 homes in the five years. So I've gone through the motions more um, than someone who's done it for 20 years. Um, so one is that. Two is check out the reviews. Reviews are huge when you check out a real estate agent. You know, see what people say about them. Do they have any reviews? 
um, you know, check on Zillow, it shows all their past sales, check their past sales, what they've actually truly done versus what they come into your home and say they've done. Um, you know, are they, are they full-time or is this a hobby? Is exactly. Most real estate agents are part-time. Is this what they're do all day, all every day? That's huge. Um, you know, having someone dedicated to answering all the calls and answer emails and stuff that takes a lot of time. And I couldn't even imagine having another job. Um, this, this is it. Like this takes up all my time. Um, so yeah, all, all of the above and make sure they, they, they vibe with that person too, because they're going to be part of their lives for a couple months. And if they're already butting heads when they meet or they just get a wrong feeling, um, I think that's huge. I always go with my gut. Um, so I'm like, if I have a bad gut feeling, I'm like, sorry, it's not working. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Somebody's graduating college or they're struggling in their career for happiness. Would you recommend this profession to them? Uh, it depends on the person. Um, it's not meant for everybody. Um, it, it's, it's not easy. Um, it's a grind. It's a struggle. Um, I would say it works best on people that have a thick skin um, that aren't afraid to pick up a call, phone, call random people, go into people's homes. Uh, it's a great career if they have to be outgoing. Like it's not very good for introverts and just you can't be shy in this field. You can. It's just you. You'll make better money somewhere else. Um, you know, just it's more you know, fire, I would say helps as well. Uh, it, it really depends on the person. Um, a lot of people get into it thinking it's easy money or thinking it's, um, you know, going to be, a, they're going to be millionaires in a few months. And it's like, no, you got to put in your time. Um, you got to work. Um, it's not it's like, not a, it's not like HGTV. You just walk in and sell a million dollar home and celebrate. Yeah. No, those are TV shows for a reason and, and not for nothing, but they may be fake. So, um, yeah, no, not at all. It's, I think the expectations and, and the reality are very different on, on being a real tour and a real estate agent. Well, B, I appreciate you uh, expanding your comfort zone and joining us on this podcast and expanding your comfort zone on video. I think you're doing a great job. I've been following them and it is awesome. Another thing we like to do in expanding our comfort zone is karaoke. And at some point in time, we're going to bring all of the guests from this podcast together and share in an event, a networking event, in-person networking event, and karaoke is going to be part of it. B. Murphy, you're up next on the stage. What are you singing? I think I would probably go with Don't Stop Believing." Very cool. Yeah. Very appropriate. Very cool. Yeah. Most important question of the entire conversation. Somebody wants to work with B. Murphy. How do they get in touch with you? Oh, goodness. What's their preferred method of contact? Phone, email, text, Instagram, social media. Come by my house, grab a coffee. I don't <laughs> care. I do it all. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So all my information is on my website and we can find me on social media. B. Murphy. Um, Lamaki Realty. Um, I'm not hiding. I'm not sight. I'm not. I'm, I'm out there. You'll find me. So if I Googled B. Murphy, I'd find you. You would. So folks, just go right into the Google machine on your interweb and type in B. Murphy and you will get B. Murphy and you will get <laughs> this agent right here willing to assist you and, and do a really good job for you. B, thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. You too. Hey, thanks for joining us today. 
If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Secure Title. Secure Title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Secure Title, S E C U R I T I T L E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.